Welcome to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow with Jay Allen. Today we're going to challenge you to think differently and do things differently. To search for what is seen as impossible to do in your field or industry, but if done, would be transformative. To understand that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. Now, here is your host, Jay Allen. Hello, I'm Jay Allen, your host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. It's a pleasure to be with you. Today's discussion will focus on transformation, be the difference, a great concept. And I'd like to introduce with a Thomas Edison quote that I usually use, and that is, there is a better way, find it. And today I'm adding another of my favorite quotes from the original Henry Ford. If you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. And I think that dovetails into what our guests are going to talk about today. And with my guests, we will discuss their view on transformation, it's how it's seen in their work and their lives along the way. And we're going to challenge you to be different, to make a difference, to be the difference, and impact your organization. And that'll impact your markets and your team members and will actually impact yourself. It's a big deal. We'll also examine other perspectives on transformation and being the solution. So we're, having, we're excited to have with us today, Troy Simonson and Paul Botts. They've led in so many aspects of their life. This ought to be a great discussion. A little about Troy. As the CEO of Revo Health, Troy oversees a large healthcare management services organization. It's focused on delivery and value-based care and creating service-driven cultures. Not an easy task, but very critical. Revo Health was formed in, 19, in 2017 out of Twin City Orthopedics. And today, Revo has partnerships with multiple healthcare entities across the U.S., spreading the exceptionally successful Be the Difference principles to healthcare practices across the country. Prior to moving to full time in Revo Health, Troy was named TCO's first CEO. His role there was to continue strengthening the brand identity and focused on high-quality, low-cost medical care. He elevated TCO to be an innovative healthcare leader and developed multiple ancillary services across the organization. In 2019, TCO and Revo Health led the development of an independent multi-specialty practice, Infinite Health Collaborative, known as iHealth. It focused in seven different clinical specialties and it's further expanding the positive Be the Difference healthcare impact culture to different clinical specialties. Quite an achievement, Troy. Great to have you with us. Thank you. And Paul Botts, as president and founder of Good Leadership Enterprises, is changing the conversations about the value of leadership. He founded Good Leadership to help CEOs, business owners, executives, and community leaders grow with the idea that goodness pays. Now, Paul's not-so-secret sauce is demonstrating how excellence, generosity, fairness, and positivity are rewarded with great business results. Paul's personal mission is to help leaders and employers and employees thrive together by blending the seven Fs of faith, family, finances, fitness, friends, fun, and future. I especially like the fun part. We, lo- we lose that in business, and it's so important. And they've He does that by blending that into their leadership. He uses his proprietary goodness pays research 
as a subject for coaching, speaking, and inspirational programming. And greatly important is Troy and Paul's new book, Be the Difference, is a great message about how goodness pays for leaders and about bringing goodness back to health care. The book is great. I've read it. I've absorbed it. I've made notes. And I've got yellow stickies sticking out the side of it. So I will talk about that later. And thank you, Troy and Paul, for participating today. And I'm uh, confident your insights and thoughts will be important to our audience as they consider their own transformation opportunities and how, how they can be the difference. So first, let's talk about what transformations means to you. What, what needs to happen to be transformative in your view? And you've worked on these things together. So love to hear from you. Well, I, obviously, great to be a part of this, Jay. I appreciate the opportunity. And, and um, it, you know, to be trans, trans, uh, transformation or transform a, a process or procedure, I think it really gets down to a lot of people uh, love to think of it as disruptive. Um, I like somewhat to think of myself as disruptive, but there's, there's a caveat to that where, um, you know, you can be disruptive in a lot of different ways and, and some of it's not real productive sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you've got to think about it in a space of, of yes, of changing that status quo and being disruptive, but also being able to ask and answer the question of how are you adding value um, to whoever that might be. Could be a consumer, could be a coworker, whoever it might be. Um, just being disruptive to be disruptive is is truly that. It's it's disruptive, um, and and not um, obviously in a, in a positive fashion. Where, but if you can find a way to be disruptive that is adding value to to whatever that process might be, now you're starting to what I would think uh, you're transforming a, a process, a procedure, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, that, I, I agree with you, Troy. And I, I'll add that uh, in the coaching work that I do, what is um, so fascinating is thinking about why leaders, CEOs do transformational things. And often it's for the wrong reasons. It's because the shareholders want a, a better return. And those kinds of transformations fail more often than not. I mean, there's got to be a reason how it's making your customers' lives better, your patients' lives better, your business partners better, the communities you live and work in, your industry. If you disrupt in a good way, transform for the people that you serve, the financials come. But when you think like that, you know, good leaders actually create their own problems. And I think part of our relationship is based on the fact that you know, you and I work together a lot and I coach you through some of those problems that you create when you decide something can be so much better or bigger or faster or something else is not acceptable. Those transformational thoughts create a whole line of disruptions down, uh, downstream that we have to manage. And that, I think, is why uh, transformation and disruption sort of go hand in hand. Yeah, it's, my evidence is similar. It's so important to focus on those constituents and start with the customer and and the and the patients and and the uh, the markets and it even extends to the suppliers and that's something that people miss sometimes <laughs> that uh, that they ha- the suppliers are an integral part of this. I I found that out firsthand when I was doing business with Microsoft in Europe and they were they were trying to figure out 
why they couldn't meet customer needs in certain at, at the speed they needed to. And it was because suppliers weren't able to ramp up as fast. Well, they weren't able to ramp up as fast because they, they were smaller and they didn't have the funds to ramp up. So Microsoft said, we're going to pay you all within 24 hours electronically. Just send us an invoice. We'll work out the details later, whether it was accurate or not. <laughs> Suddenly, the suppliers were all on board. Their sure. creativity expanded and everything else. So <laughs> you, the way you've gone about it, Troy, with, with including all these constituents is really impressive. Yeah, uh, to that point is, you know, we think of them as business partners and um, there's, you have all kinds of business partners that can, uh, you know, either allow you to be more efficient or create inefficiencies for you. And, and they're, they're a part of that whole process. Obviously in, in the healthcare industry, the, the patient is, is number one on the list in, in how you're delivering value back to that patient. Uh, but you're, in everything you do, obviously, you're, you're relying upon all kinds of other constituents and business partners and, and how are they going to allow you to deliver that value back to that, that consumer or patient. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of, uh, again, that disruptive or transformation that is happening and uh, how are you aligning um, all of those partners. We talk a lot about how do you align the incentives across all of those individuals or all of those entities? Because um, if, if there's misalignment, I, you know, we know what happens when, when that started. And then, then you lose that, that focus and, and the end value that you're providing is just not there. I'm so glad you brought the incentives piece up, Troy, because we, when we're coaching organizations through these ideas, we always have a very deliberate conversation about what are the negotiated agreements you have so you guys win together. And those have to be financial incentives. And I would say half of the time our clients will say, no, no, well, we're not going to mess with that. I mean, we've been doing it this way for a long, long time. And that, that's already baked in. And it's mid-year. We can't really do anything on that. We're like, well, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only way people will help you in the disruption is that they, A, they got to be able to see the same big opportunity that you do. And then B, they got to see how they're going to win if they jump on board. And sometimes it's financial winning, but sometimes in the marketplace, there's esteem. And I think you guys have done a phenomenal job, particularly when you were with TCO by, you know, creating the partnership with the Vikings. You, you, you put your name up on the big fancy building you became one of the hottest brands in the market. And I can't believe that any of your business partners weren't thrilled by that, feeling like they were a part of your success. And if they were threatened by it, it would have created a whole nother set of problems. And so, you know, aligning those incentives, whether they be financial or even just esteem, that's really, really important. I'm really glad you brought up esteem because uh, we have a very scientific uh, phrase that we use in our firm, that you need to have something cooking (laughs) because it attracts people. It retains Mm -hmm. people and the partners that you're talking about that you create, Troy, uh, you've created something cooking. So it is the incentive on financial that has to be a part of it. But you, you two are describing something cooking and, and I'd want to work where there's something cooking and most good people do. And the people who don't, you don't want them anyway. So I'm going to ask permission to steal that. I, I love that. 
Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just going to call that the, the gospel according to Jay. <laughs> well, it's in my book, Bucketheads. And that, that's it. those that. people that don't take the bucket off their head don't ever get anything cooking. So there you go. Yes, yeah, that's right. So uh-huh. I would like to, I'd like you two to talk a little bit about the role that make uh, be the difference uh, played in your transformation, because that is, that's taking something cooking to the next level. You know, it's, it's involving people in the solution and in the opportunity. So could you talk about that a little bit? So if you don't mind, I'm going to jump in and say that out of all the years I've been doing this work now, 25 years of executive coaching at the CEO level, 11 under the good leadership brand, I've all, we always spend time trying to help our clients label what they're trying to do in their coaching. I mean, in their culture, you're the first client we had <clears throat> who actually already had a label and an intention for the culture. And that's what the be the difference was. And I had never seen, we usually we talk people into doing that. You already had it, which was fantastic. So with that, I'm going to toss it back to you. Explain why you came up with the label and what it means. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'd love to say it was really scientific and we've, we had all this research behind it, but the reality is, is that uh, a number of years ago, we we would do all kinds of various programs to try to reward employees and trying to build this culture that, you know, it's all about making differences for people. And we had all kinds, we called them flavors of the month because they usually lasted about a month. Um, and then we had to move on to something else. Um, so we finally just got together as a leadership team and, and really sat down and, um I'm proud to say we didn't actually need to use outside resources, um, but um, it was just a more of a think tank of, and it was to answer the question of what do we tell an employee that walks into work in the morning and says, why am I here today? Um, and what is my role today? Everyone has a technical part of their role. You know, we have x-ray techs across um, across the practices and they have a technical job. Um, so there, there's a technical component about everyone's position, but really it was getting back to, and, and, um, and Paul and I talk about this quite a bit and Paul talks about a lot, obviously with others as well, is, is to really answer that question of why do I matter? Um, so we talked about aligning incentives earlier and it's to align those incentives um, with all employees across from, I don't care, whatever your position is, but you need to be able to answer the question of why do I matter here? And, and um, so ultimately that we came down to, and we, you know, we have a mission and vision, we have value statements that are very important to us, um, but it, it's really hard for all employees to get their arms around a mission statement. And, and where do I fit inside of that mission statement? Um, so we, kept drilling down, kept drilling down. My core principle to him was, as I said, it had to be short. Um, it had to be something that was quick, um, that we could, you know, continue to build a culture upon it and ultimately arrived at be the difference. Um, so it was simply put that, and we talk about this, um, I love to uh, talk to all of our employees at onboarding um, about your role here is to be the difference. That's your role. Um, be the difference with your coworkers, patients, patient family members, uh, talk about business partners, whoever it might be. 
find a way to make a difference with them day in and day out. And it, it, it's not, you know, you're not perfect every day. There's patients that you just can't make a difference with. You know, there's, there's those people in the world that's just is what it is. Um, but as long as we're striving for that, that be the difference mentality, and that's our goal each and every day, that's the culture that is ultimately being built. And I'm a firm believer you can never just say the culture's done and you check the box and say we're done. I mean, this is a work in progress every day. Um, and, and how to just continue that call to action. And ultimately, that is the piece then that gets back to um, to Paul's earlier point of, of that be the difference in the focus on patients and coworkers, the financial rewards take care of themselves. You know, when you have that focus, it, it just, it just happens. Um, and, and I think TCO is a great example of that, the growth and everything they've had of, of what has happened from that culture and building that culture. Well, Jay, I'll just say that, you, you know, coming in as an outside consultant, when, when Troy finally invited our firm, Good Leadership, in, we had something to work with. And we could articulate clear expectations at the individual level, at the level where people have teams that they lead, and then at the organizational level where you're really in charge of resources and shaping the future. And just the fact that they had that underpinning made it so much easier for us to create clarity there. And that's a whole nother subject we could talk for a whole show about. It's so important. And you were so fortunate to already have those words. And we're going to take a short break in a few minutes or a few seconds, and we'll be back from the break. And we'll continue our discussion about transformation and be the difference. And their last conversation struck me as taking that old story about the uh, stonemason versus building the cathedral and you guys took it to the whole new level. (laughs) Be the difference. Yeah, that's right. Be the difference. Yeah. So we'll take a short break now. Are you intent on gaining a new competitive edge in your markets? Are you looking for innovative ways to engage customers and inspire your team to grow your business? Masters Alliance Strategic Management Consulting Firm brings 30 years of experience partnering with clients in over 20 industries in 13 countries to achieve breakthrough business results. Jay Allen and his team of professionals can help your organization discover new opportunities and create solutions to produce a lasting impact in your markets. Masters Alliance will work with you to engage employees, customers, and suppliers to reveal new competitive situations and accelerate how you get things done. Our team brings fresh, multi-industry perspectives and a track record of excellence to help you accomplish significant business goals. If you're ready to set your business apart and make a difference in your markets, visit mastersalliance.com to learn more. Are you missing business opportunities? Take the bucket off your head and see your business differently today to get the results you want tomorrow. From Jay Allen, founder and CEO of Masters Alliance Consultancy, LLC, the Bucketheads book is the ultimate business guide to excite your organization to market-changing thinking and actions. Drawing on 30 years of experience working with executives in 20 different industries and 13 countries, Jay Allen reveals strategies to connect with customers, markets, and suppliers in game-changing ways. Bucketheads will show you how to step out of your comfort zone and transform your business. Winner of Independent Book Publishers 2020 Gold Medal for Best Nonfiction Ebook. 
Bucketheads helps business leaders like you champion innovation and ignite the fun of achievement. Get your copy of Bucketheads today. Available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. See more at BucketheadsBook.com. You are tuned into Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow, hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now back to Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. Welcome back. I'm Jay Allen, host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. It's great to be with you today. We are excited to have Paul Botts and Troy Simonson as our special guests. And Paul Botts, for just for you, those of you that might have tuned in a little late, has, as president and founder of Good Leadership Enterprises, a leading coaching and publishing firm, Paul is changing the conversation about the value of leadership. And one of his research results illustrates how goodness pays. Great concept. He's a best-selling author, authoring eight books, and he's currently creator of the Good Leadership Movement. And he's instrumental in helping Troy with Be the Difference. And Troy Simonson is the CEO of Revo Health. Troy oversees a large healthcare management services organization. It's focused on the delivery of value-based care and creating service-driven cultures. So critical. And he's spreading, he's spreading the exceptionally successful Be the Difference principles to healthcare practices across the country resulting in the reality of high-quality, low-cost medical care and bringing the good back to health care, something that we all can relate to. So as we open our discussion after the break, I'd like to talk about this idea of courageous goodness. What can you tell us, Troy, about how that happened and what it's about and how it really helps patients uh, participate and how it has helped actually in organizational transformation. No, it's a, it's a, a simple, simple concept at the core, but um, you know, bringing that goodness and, and goodness back to the patient. Um, and, and I think we don't want to forget about from an organizational standpoint, bringing goodness to our coworkers as well. Um, but ultimately, with the patient side, one of the core principles inside of, of Infinite Health, which is a large multi-specialty group uh, being formed in the Minneapolis market, um, is a, a core principle of, of patient choice. And, and we talk a lot about bringing that goodness and, and choice um, to the patient and engagement with the patient. And, and think of it in anything, even beyond healthcare, is, is that if you have choice in a matter, uh, you will become engaged. Um, you'll likely do some research. You'll, you'll become engaged in that process where if you do not have a choice, uh, your engagement starts to decrease immediately. Um, and so one of the, the core principles of, as it relates to, to goodness and that contagious goodness is, is really uh, related to that patient choice and, and allowing patients to have choice in their health care and allowing them to be engaged as it relates to their healthcare. And whether that's the choice of where they're receiving the care, how they receive the care, when they receive the care, um, and then it gets into uh, the public health side of it even as well. And, um, and obviously the, the, the current pandemic that, uh, that we're going through is, is 
I think is hopefully, or hopefully one of the um, outcomes from this is a renewed focus on that public health as well. Um, so it's, I think a lot of it is, is at the simplest level is, is really of bringing that goodness as it relates to choice and, and engagement of the patient. And, and if you are engaged in your healthcare and, uh, and what is expected of you and whether that's your rehab post-operatively or whether that's related to um, I have choices on, on what I'm going to put into my body and, and what I'm going to do day in and day out. Um, and, and I, you know, I have a choice about that. And now I need to have a choice as it relates to uh, where I will pursue that inside of healthcare. And uh, not to get into all the weeds with this, but, you know, there's all kinds of narrow network products and other things inside of healthcare that just strip choice away from the patient. Yep. And if you strip choice away, you lose engagement. Yeah, what I love about what's going on at uh, the Infinite Health Revo TCO is that when you have leaders that are doing transformational things, we always ask the question, what, what, are, the, what are the foundational values that you're making those decisions off, and, off of? We did the research on goodness because goodness is one of those kind of soft and squishy things. Some people think it's overly religious. Some people think you'd be weak if you lead with goodness. And what we found out is that when people say they're recognizing goodness, they see four things. They see excellence, they see generosity, fairness, and positivity. And so when you are encouraging people to use their choices, it's both generous and fair. It, it's unfair if you can't use your choices or if you're being told what to do. And fairness, a sense of fairness creates engagement the way Troy talked about it. So when Troy says we're bringing goodness back into healthcare, it's bringing back people's sense of ownership over choosing the excellence that they, that making the choice based on excellence, working with people who are generous with their time, which is what be the difference really is. Fairness means I have choice and positivity. And these are people that encourage you to be active in your own solution. And that is, um, those things are so simple, yet not very common these days. And that's why we were so engaged by being a part of what they're doing. That's great. I, I'm just thinking of the atmosphere that that creates in an organization. And so as patients had choice and they became more engaged, did that back up into the organization and impact your organization and make the people involved in your organization different? Absolutely. Well, and, and I, I think you have more engaged, um, a better engaged organization. And, um, and what, it's simple things of even retention and uh, just the service they provide to, um, you know, patients and coworkers. Um, it allows you to, uh, I think it, it allows uh, the innovation to, to come to the forefront um, and, uh, and, and, you know, encourages people, I think, is, I think is probably the best way to say it, is encourages individuals. Uh, innovation is one of our core values. And, and to move that to the forefront and to encourage people to challenge the status quo and, you know, back to transformation and that it's, it's, uh, it's expected that that just becomes a part of the organization. 
Um, so, and, and then that has led into, you know, just growth and thriving and has led us to spinning off other companies. So it, it has a huge downstream positive impact. Yeah, not only that, but I'll, I'm thinking about the definition of goodness. When we, we did the research to figure out a way to talk about goodness in a way that people wouldn't snicker or walk away, um, one of the most important things we did was to come up with a definition. And the definition is goodness is when people thrive together in a culture of encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork. So if you're one of the TCO or one of the uh, people who works inside any of the eye health organization and you see your, your patients thriving because they came to see you, well, then you're thriving together. Um, the physicians who tell patients, hey, you, you got to do your part in this, <laughs> that's both accountability and encouragement. And when the two of us do it together, that's positive teamwork. And those three concepts feed on each other. If there's encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork, and they just keep showing up every day, there's no way that people and organizations are not going to grow. I, I'm just putting myself in the position of maybe a therapist in a rehab situation, and you have teed up this idea and implemented it and have patience uh, that with this choice and this engagement. And I'm the therapist, and I oh, and the patients are talking to each other as they do, and so they're encouraging each other. And then I'm the therapist, and I come into work that day, and I'm and I'm thinking about that question of why am I here? Boy, when I hit my area, and I know I've got turned on patients and high expectation expectation patients, and high levels of excellence coming out of patients. Not only am I going to be on my game. I'm going to be happier coming in. Absolutely. And in it, you know, you walk into, uh, to use your, your analogy, you walk into some of our therapy offices, you literally can feel the excitement and the energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can feel the energy there and and it, and it goes back to that, to your point of the, the therapist is walking in there with, knowing they have patients that are, that are accountable and are engaged and, and they know their role today is to be a difference with that patient and that they have a, a willing participant as a part of that journey with them. Um, it just, you know, it overall, it just gets back to one of those earlier comments we made about aligning incentives and not necessarily financial incentives here. We're just aligning mm -hmm. outcomes and goals and, and what people are, are striving to do day in and day out. So I'm, I'm thinking uh, from, I've worked with several healthcare institutions and I'm currently working with a large one. And it's interesting to hear the, the physician over the last 20 years talk about the impact of what you're talking about in different words on healing, mm -hmm. the positivity impact on healing. It's, there's a growing body of evidence now, not just sort of the one-offs. Do you see that? Absolutely. In fact, you know, just in various models that, that, um, that have been created inside of some of the practices is, um, we're getting to the point now where you can, you can almost predict patients' outcomes based upon their pre-op health status, 
emotional status, mental health, et cetera, where you essentially can predict, here's the outcomes these individuals are going to have. Um, and it, and so we, we talk a lot and, and I'm not a clinician, so I get outside of my scope here and people like to, to, to laugh at that from a clinical perspective, but it's, uh, we talk about surgical optimization. Um, so TCO is obviously an orthopedics from a surgical practice of how do we optimize patients prior to their surgery. Uh, so they are receiving that procedure at the right time, at the right place with the right physician. Um, and, and I think that is something that, that um, in a simple context, it's talking, you know, how are we being more proactive than reactive? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. um, many times the surgery just happens and then they're trying to figure out how do we make sure this patient has a good outcome on the back end of it. And it's a more of a reactive phase. So how are we more proactive mm -hmm. to optimize that patient prior to surgery so we essentially can predict here's the outcome they will likely have. Um, um, I would say the same is exactly true when we start talking about the leadership of an organization. We, we believe that people who accept leadership responsibilities are addicted to progress. They get up every morning and they keep score and they want to advance their scorecard, but not everyone is addicted to positive progress. Some people are addicted to seeing things go wrong because they didn't like it or they didn't think it was going to work. Or, they, so per or thing, they were protecting their own yeah. status <laughs> yep. me, for Paul. whatever reason. Right. So that would, that would completely line up with your, your uh, pre-op consultation theory, Troy, we, we get the same exact thing. When we get an executive team together, like we did with you guys, we lay out uh, a really compelling picture of the future. That's transformational. We call it the big opportunity. You can just see the ones that sit up on the front of their chair and go, Whoa, this is cool. And my, everything about my life is going to be better. And then a couple who are laying back and a couple who even shift in their chair and, and you know, cross their arms. We've all seen that before. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that we grab that context in every situation and try to get people in a place where they can see and feel and celebrate positive progress. That's how the transformations happen. And I think that's one of the things that you asked us to talk about today, Jay, is how did you get that to happen? Right. And I want to follow that up with if you would be willing to talk a little bit about how did this get started, this be, be the difference? Uh, what was it like before it got started? Because what we're talking about is translatable into multiple, multiple industries. So there are people probably listening that say, gee, I'd like to get this started. So kind of how, walk us through that for a few minutes of how it got going. Yeah, and to answer your question of what was it like, I think before, and I, I honestly, I'd use one one word. I'd call it stagnant. You know, we were we were we were doing fine. Uh, we were successful. Uh, we really weren't doing much though. And uh, you know, innovation was one of our core values that I would say we were failing at because we were just purely, you know, spinning our wheels in the status quo. Uh, so it was really a focus on how do we kind of renew the energy inside of the organization? Um, how do we create a sense of purpose across um, uh, across all employees? It's it's that level of encouragement and accountability that Paul was talking about. And, and to go back to that earlier statement is, uh, so, so when some employee was asking their manager or whomever, 
of why am I here today, we had a really simple, quick answer that and then starts to create that culture. And, and that's when, you know, we moved from what I would call a somewhat stagnant organization that, you know, again, we were doing fine, but there wasn't a lot of innovation happening or new growth. Um, and once we started to build that culture, I mean, if you look back the last probably five to seven years of TCO and the amount of growth that has happened across the organization and innovation and changing how care is delivered in the, in the, in the orthopedic space, um, I mean, it's been phenomenal. And, and I, I, dial, I didn't realize this at the time until I started working with Paul and good leadership. But it really was building that sense of accountability and encouragement across the staff. There was that positive momentum that was then happening. And, and you could, the energy level just shifted. I wouldn't say it was overnight, um, but it, it quickly transformed. And um, which, you know, obviously the, the momentum that, that carries forward with that is just phenomenal. Yeah, Jay, I can, I can summarize it in three questions in this sequence that can help you. Uh, number one, we have to make sure every, everybody in your organization understands, where do I fit? Where do I fit in this plan? Second, why do I matter? And third, how do I thrive, both personally and professionally, by committing to this? And when you do exercises around those three questions, you land on something like be the difference, and it becomes a calling card for your culture. It's, uh, it's beautiful stuff, and, and, and it applies to any organization. Well, I'd like to just put a put a little bit of meat on that bone and just remark that I got out of your book that your referral rate from patients continually exceeds 98%. Yeah. That's kind of unheard of in any industry. Yeah. No. That's a tremendous accomplishment. Thank we're you. going to take we're going to stop and take a short break now and when we come back we're going to continue this discussion and we're actually going to move it into the idea that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading because you've led and I want to talk a little bit about why people don't etc so let's take our break Are you ready to look at your customers differently see them from a fresh perspective to gain competitive advantage and grow revenue Masters Alliance Business Consultancy brings you beyond demographics, the character of the customer, an advanced approach to understand and connect with customers in new ways. You get new views of the motivations and needs of your customers. You engage your organization in unique, actionable, customer segmentation understanding. Masters Alliance will help your team reveal hidden opportunities, identify distinct customer desires, and develop demand-creating value propositions. Now is the time to look at your market through a new lens and chart a new competitive direction. At Masters Alliance, we know that customers are more than meets the eye, and success depends on looking beyond demographics. Visit beyonddemographics.com to learn more. You are tuned into Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow, hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now, back to Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. Welcome back. I'm Jay Allen, host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. And we're having a great discussion with Troy Simonson and Paul Botts 
our special guest with us today? In one of Paul's books, he provides evidence that goodness pays with great coaching tools to help it become a reality in your firm. And yes, Paul is hopelessly addicted to golf with a single-digit handicap. So I've, I'm, I'm envious, but I'm still working on it. And Troy Simonson, you've led TCO and Revo Health in the development of an independent multi-specialty practice, Infinite Health Collaborative, known as iHealth, and that's expanding the positive Be the Difference healthcare impact culture to seven different clinical specialties. And yes, Troy, you love to swap the inbox for the tackle box in a remote fishing location. And I'm glad to hear both of you in all the work, the work you do, stop to rest so you can think. It's an important thing as we're having this discussion. And, and we were uh, talking a little bit on the, during the break about uh, shared commitment. And Paul, would you like to tee that one up? Yeah, and I can even tie it to what you said about the burden or regret. Um, I, I think what Troy has done with all the partners in the TCOI Health organization is taken a route that is not easy, but is really, really powerful if you can do it. The easiest way to run an organization is through hierarchy and chain of command and rules and training for technique. That's Sometimes that's the best way to do it. But what they've done is, is a different strategy. We call it shared commitments. It's a culture of negotiating between equals, recognizing people's value, understanding the values and the, the um, negotiated agreements that you just don't cross. That culture is so much more elastic and pliable, and you can adapt faster if you're going to be an innovator and when you have a culture of shared commitments, what happens is people give away nagging rights. And this is where um, a, an extremely powerful physician is willing to be influenced by an hourly employee because that hourly employee is respected for that person's perspective, what they know in the moment. And when you've got people that are willing to influence each other, influence each other back and forth like that and to say, hey, I thought we agreed we weren't going to do that anymore. That's nagging rights. It really creates a very... Um, attractive, healthy culture to be a part of. And I wrote about that in the Be the Difference book. And, you know, Troy, that you said that that was probably one of the most significant things that, that we got out of that project. Would you talk a little bit more about how that exists inside TCO and iHealth? Yeah, no, it's, it's um, you know, we're a, it's a different type of environment, partly just of how the ownership entity is structured, where it's an independent physician practice. So all of the physicians are owners of the actual business itself. And then we have a structure of non-physician, you know, so we have our physician leadership and it's, is it governed by a physician board of, of owners? Um, and then we have a structure of non-physician leaders um, that are that are leading, you know, various aspects of the business. And it's really, um, you know, over time, creating that shared commitment between, you know, employees, non-physician leadership, and the physician leaders and owners um, of the practice. And um, back to, I think, a term we were just talking about earlier as well as the, the energy that it really even creates inside of the organization where, uh, we have 2,500 employees and they, and not that all of them understand this, but we're trying to get them there is they all understand is that they do have those nagging rights and they do have those opportunities to be innovative. Um, and I say it all the time, some of our best ideas 
come from our employees, not necessarily from our leadership team or even our physician leaders. Um, you know, that some of the best concepts and, and things that we have done have, have come from our employees. And it's something I even learned early on as well when we talk about that open accountability at, at our senior leadership level. Um, and we didn't realize this, you know, three, four years ago that um, there wasn't that open accountability in our senior leadership team. And um, people didn't feel like they had the nagging rights uh, to challenge me for one. Um, and so that is a transformation that we've even had as a team. And um, it's very apparent the change it has made within our team from a standpoint of, of, of people really excelling in their roles um, at, at, at this time and continuing to excel. Um, it has allowed us to do things like Revo Health. It has allowed us to think about even creating infinite health um, because we've, we've created that open accountability uh, across that, that leadership group. And then the relationship, obviously, back to the board and that. And, and I'll be the first to tell you uh, the TCO board and now the infinite health board, um, tremendous job, I would say, at allowing autonomy. Uh, back to the leaders in the organization, and uh, do not micromanage, which is is a huge, um, I, I think, um, you know, ability on their part that they don't micromanage, and and it has allowed us to to grow at the rate that we have. Well, the- Jay, I'll just say one other thing about yeah. this because I think it's when when we first start talking about shared commitment cultures, sometimes people say, well, that's just anarchy. And it's like, well, no, actually, there can be lots of structure to make it come alive. We believe you have to spend a lot of time making sure people are aligned around what you mean by this and where the place is going. But the only way you test alignment is by actually measuring commitment. And commitment is what people are willing to do differently because they love what's going on. And then the only way you can really test commitment is through an open accountability system. If we all agree we're going to do something, the accountability system can't be behind closed doors. It has to be the kind of thing where we can all see it and call it out as we say. So we use that alignment, commitment, open accountability at a micro level, but then at a macro level. When the senior executive team produces the the seven-year vision and the three-year strategic plan, the only way it works in this shared commitment culture is it has to be open and public to everybody and they can see what's going on. That's what's going on with Troy at iHealth and TCO, and it's beautiful. It creates magic, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's hard, and, and, and... It's hard for some people to understand that magic that you all have been talking about if they haven't seen or touched or been part of or even led transformation because it, it, that, that transformative idea falls into one of those impossible dreams that, and some transformation have gone amok because they haven't had that shared commitment. And so they end up being just change for change sake, as you were mentioned earlier, it's got to be in markets and customers and things. And uh, so if they haven't seen it and they haven't touched it, hopefully what you've been talking about will be an example of it can be done and they should start and take a step and, and reach out and do it. Now for your people, uh, first of all, transformation isn't a milestone. We all know that. Change is going on all the time. So we have to continue to reinvent, transform, innovate, etc. So this is an ongoing process. So 
could we talk a little bit about the muscle memory of transformation that it would appear that you all have developed some of that so that as change comes along, there's this muscle memory. Does that make sense to you? Well, I'd, I'd like to jump in and say that we, we believe that the most important work that the executive teams do who are leading transformation is to translate their top three priorities into a public scorecard that can be measured monthly or quarterly so everyone knows how we're doing. It institutionalizes the muscle memory. The opposite of that is, well, we're not really going to track or we'll see at the end of the year how we did and maybe we'll commit to it again and maybe we won't. So we believe that there has to be that kind of discipline. And that really helped with the transformational things that Troy was doing with his team. Troy, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I have to openly admit that um, I used to think strategic planning was just kind of a fluffy thing that uh, was a lot of busy work that consultants got paid a lot of money for. <laughs> but um, it is... It is at the core of what you're talking about from a muscle memory standpoint and, and having that ongoing transformation that happens is to have that plan. Uh, the scorecard has been tremendous inside of the organization to, to, to constantly communicate. And, and now, you know, all employees understand where you're at and it's okay that it's not all green. You know, there might be some yellow and reds on there. That's fine. Um, and you have to be comfortable with that, um, but have the courage to, to put it out there that here's our score, here's where we're at. Um, and that creates that, again, that to your point, as you're saying, Jay, that muscle memory about transformation, it, it's not a one-time deal. It, I mean, it is ongoing. Um, and, and if you're a part of that organization that, that has that ongoing transformation, is you've got to have the plan, you got to measure it, you got to communicate it. It's got to follow your values. You know, all those things have got to start tying together. And, um, and once you start tying all of that together, now all of a sudden the values mean something to employees. And, and now they can start seeing, well, now here's where I'm accountable to. And here's, mm -hmm. here's how the positivity is being created inside of the organization. Um, but they, they've all got to start melding together. You can't just do a plan and never report on it. So I'm really glad you brought up this idea of strategy. And I, I like to refer to it in, in its robust form that is the only way I think it makes any sense, and that's strategic thinking. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the buy-in and engagement, et cetera, and the ownership that you've gotten through your organization, do you see that yet? moving in to people that are actually thinking more strategically? Uh, absolutely. We, we got a long ways to go. I'll admit that, but um, absolutely. And, and some of that goes back to the piece about creating that open accountability and the nagging rights allows them to be more strategic, or mm -hmm. I think it has. It's allowed them to, to be more strategic. It's allowed them to be bolder, uh, if that's the right term to use, but um, that they can be, um, you know, more what I will say on the proactive side uh, of their, whatever their, you know, area of expertise is. And, um, you know, we, we talk quite a bit about we want proactive leaders. Um, there's a lot of leaders that are just reactive and they're, they're, they do a great job, 
but they're very reactive. They just, they're, they're reacting to their outside market pressures. Um, I much rather have or focus on the proactive side and, and we can be out and let's try to lead the market. Let's not just react to what the market is yeah. doing, but let's try to lead it. Well, I think it stems from making it clear what you expect from people in the organization. What's been fantastically well inside TCO and iHealth is that we've made it very clear that at the individual level, we, we expect people to seek accountability when it comes to being the difference. When you're a team leader, we expect you to build things together, not by yourself, <laughs> work with other people to build things. And when you're at the organizational level, the C-suite who's building the plans, we expect you to build partnerships where the community thrives. And if you are an organizational leader and you're building partnerships, you can't do it by yourself. And you are more strategic and you are more thoughtful and more intentional. And so having those expectations laid out like that really does make the difference in how your organization thinks about its future. And uh, what you've done over there, Troy, is a shining example of that. It's really terrific. Well, this has been a great discussion. And sometimes people say getting to the future on time is not possible. But that's not really the point. The, to me, the point is to create your own future, create a better future, and then you'll actually be on time. You'll probably be ahead of time in many ways. Tori, <laughs> you are leading the industry in these things, and you're expanding it nationally and very successful at it. So you're ahead of time, actually. And uh, it's so encouraging to see that. And uh, I would like to make sure that I mention you to re- everyone listening to remember uh, – Troy and Paul's new book, Be the Difference. It's a great message on how goodness pays for leaders and about bringing goodness back to healthcare. We've got plenty of examples in our discussions today. And it's informative. In my opinion, it's inspirational. And for me also, with all my experience over the last 30 years, it's wonderfully challenging. I call it a must-read, and you need to get copies and buy them for others. And you can purchase their book at Itasca Books, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble. So you've accomplished something, Troy, that is in under construction. And the temptation of many people when they hear what you've accomplished is to say, oh wow, what an achievement. Well, it was, but it's still under construction. The better, the greater achievements are yet to come. You've built a solid foundation. Don't blink, Troy keep it up, make it happen, and be that wonderful example so others can be have fun at work, as Paul said in one of his seven Fs, and they can be engaged. So I want to thank the listeners and you all as guests for the privilege of being together today. And remember, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I think it's better to think you can. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow with Jay Allen. Next week, we will have more takeaways for your business success. So please join us next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk soon.